Hi, and welcome to Walking Backwards. I'm Brad Gromet. This week's guest is Bonnie Blake. Bonnie is an operator who's been in the business for quite a long time. I've worked with her on quite a few projects. Um, and I found her story of how she got in the business very interesting. And um, she's got great stories about some other things too. So I hope you enjoy it. I know I did. Um, on a separate note, I'm starting a thing called Patreon. Uh, some of you know what that is and some of you don't. So what it is is just a way for podcast listeners to support a podcast that they enjoy, in this case mine. Um, I'm not going to start charging for the for the show. It's always going to be free. This is a voluntary thing. If you'd like to support it, that would be great. If not, that's fine. That's all it is. And I know some people will, might be turned off to this. I don't know. But I've spent a lot of time and um, a good amount of money putting this podcast on. I have monthly expenses related to it. And, you know, it's not breaking the bank or anything, but um, it would be great to to recoup some of that. Um, and that's why I'm doing it. So um, check it out. It's uh, patreon.com. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash walking backwards. And if you have uh, questions or anything about that or anything else, you can email me at walkingbackwardspodcast at gmail.com. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. Hi, Brad. <laughs> it's so nice to have you here. Oh, well, thank you for asking me. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, I'm just trying to think of when I last saw you. And maybe it's with like the SOC Awards a couple of years ago, but we haven't worked together in years. My vivid memory of working with you uh-huh. is with Penelope Spheris. Oh, yeah. And I believe Bobby Altman was the DP. Or Chris Pop. Chris Pop, because Bobby Altman had been the previous DP. Somehow I thought he was involved with it. Mm, maybe. And yeah. I remember working on that. I remember vividly you helping me, actually. Why? What happened? Uh, just how to get in the right position or do something. or. Oh, I was helpful? You were very helpful. Oh, that's yes. good. <laughs> well, I don't remember that, but I remember... Um, I remember we did like the most brutal day of handheld. Remember that parking garage somewhere in Hollywood? Anyway, I just remember maybe maybe it wasn't as bad for you. I remember it beat me up so bad and the next day my I think I sprained a little something in my Aww. back and the medic saw me walking um the next day wasn't handheld, luckily, but like even just sitting down on an Apple box, I was like, "Ugh." And he saw me walking to Crafty or something and I was like he goes, something's wrong with your back, huh? And I was like, yeah. And then he, long story short, he had me drink Gatorade. And then he gave me like a five-minute massage on set. <laughs> and I remember feeling so much better. Aww. But I was, it was one of those things like, you know, if, if we had, if suddenly it had been, let's do handheld, I would have been in trouble. Mm -hmm. I would have, you mm -hmm. know. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, over, it used to not bother me so much. But I've been doing this a while now, just like you. Mm -hmm. um, does it ever get to you? Yeah, I mean, I've been using an easy rig. Have um, you? Do you like it? I do only because I haven't found anything else that's better. Um, I did a show uh, about three years ago. I did the first season of Insecure. Yeah, I watched that. It was yeah. good. And um, it started out to be on dollies mm -hmm. or sort of handheld simulate sim, you know simulate simulated handheld mm -hmm. on a fluid head right and um 
they the creators were really still sorting out what they wanted it to look like and what they the style of the show right and it became more and more um wanting it to be more fluid more handheld more spontaneous and the dp had a harder time selling them on the um simulated handheld and that's the first show where i used the easy rig a lot right and for some reason i'm not sure why i got into using it low like mm. low uh almost resting on my like waist hip level hip level and um even though we had butt dollies and things for some reason i found it easier to do that so i just sort of adopted that as one of the ways i was coping with a lot of handheld yeah well i mean all that weight and you know digital supposedly everything's lighter but we know quite well it's not at all <laughs> yeah and i mean what happens you know is that they don't cut and they just keep shooting and that that's a um you know demanding situation yeah yeah take after take after take i've talked about that with other people before it's just non-stop and we're not machines right you know right <clears throat> so i don't know do you ever rarely but sometimes i've told people like look i need i need five minutes you know mm -hmm. and and most people are cool about it but every once in a while people oh, you know as if i'm just supposed to do 50 takes straight mm -hmm. and anyway it's just funny I don't know if the business has changed a lot. I think part of that is the film to digital transition, but mm -hmm. it seems like back in the day it wasn't quite as bad as that. I don't know. You've been around a while. Have you seen a lot of change? Or well, that's one <clears throat> of them. I mean, just to keep rolling yeah. through through resetting props and resetting, you know, resetting meaning you know the directors going in and you know people are and makeups going in and yeah and going, and right. just really not wanting the the fear of cutting the momentum um, or having everything grind to a halt when you say cut, that's a big difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, the show the show I did, The Kaminsky Method, um, we did that some. I think, you know... Uh, this is a Chuck Lorre show. It was a Chuck Lorre show um, that starred Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin. Is it a single camera style? Single though? camera style. Okay. And unlike most of his shows. Unlike are, most of right. Chuck Lorre, although young Sheldon is single camera. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. And um it was shot like any other most of the shows I work on. Right. You know, sort of a dramedy type show. And I don't think we did as many resets because um I partly because Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin aren't used to working that way. Right. You know, it was really a lot of it, how it was done revolved around what they needed, you know, to do their performance. Mm -hmm. What's the show about? Well, Alan, I'm a, Michael Douglas plays an acting, an actor and an acting teacher. Okay. And his, he's Kaminsky and he has developed the Kaminsky method of acting. Okay. So he has a studio, um, like you've seen in North Hollywood, a little acting studio. Right. Um, and he he has but he still has an agent okay. he has a very well connected very wealthy very successful hollywood agent who's played by alan arkin got it and it's about their relationship it's about um their 
they're both in their later years, you know, the characters and dealing with age, you know, their their children, the problems of their children, um, the, have, trying to have a romantic relationship. Uh, Alan Arkin has family issues. Just it is just the they're growing, um, their friendship growing. Mm. And uh, wonderful acting. Oh, my God. That yeah, was, well, they're both great actors. It was so. such a privilege to be um, part of that and see them. Um, very different methods. Um, but it was it was really terrific. How, how Different methods, how so? Well, I think Alan Arkin, you know, was used to rehearsing, maybe. And he sometimes would like to work on something or over a couple of takes come to something or try you know new things michael douglas was pretty usually pretty much right out of the gate okay. and if he was happy with take one he was ready to move on right I'll, you know occasionally you would say i'd like another shot at that but he was but he was really he he had really well prepared he would, he would well yeah i mean alan arkin was too but i think yeah. he would bring to the table what he was going to give right and um that is a different method, yeah. yeah. I've seen both sides of that, too. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting yeah. seeing how they do it. And the ones that can just drop it like nothing, it's I don't know how they do it. It's amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. So was there f- friction between the two of them based on... Uh, no, no. No, okay. I think, you know, um, but they, Michael, they respected each other. You right. Know. But Michael Douglas was... He was only going to do it that way, basically. So he was always ready to go on to the next one, kind of thing. Like, yeah. Right. He had finished his performance before, before take one, basically. He right. Complete. He had whatever constructed it. He figured it out. Right. And, and Arkin was always just more more in process. Right. Which yeah. is cool. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, and we had a you know the other cast was great. There were a bunch of young actors playing the acting students, and uh, Nancy Travis played um, the maybe girlfriend of um michael douglas okay and she is fantastic you know really great energy and i know i know her but i can't picture her she was in the sitcom last man standing but she's done a thousand things oh okay yeah cool yeah um well it's nice to work on a show where you really enjoy the performances and the people yeah and And the pro and i enjoyed the process i just you know it was fascinating being around chuck lorre and he was very involved I think he was there, I would say, 99.9% of the time. Wow. That seems unlikely considering he has like yes. five other shows on the air. I know. <laughs> and that's, you know, his energy, his dedication to the script and to the production. He directed the um, what was called the pilot, which was really the first episode. Right. Uh, and that's not his usual role, but it was great. I mean, it was fun, you know, working with him. Cool. Yeah, I mean, just to see how somebody pours themselves into making something, I could, I, it makes me understand why he's been so successful. The quality that he expects and, you know, right. the level of people that are part of his team. Was he more, I imagine, he'd be more, like, concentrated on the script. Yes, and, yes. And the, and the acting as opposed to camera. And yeah. Who was shooting? Annette Helmick. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Who you've you've worked with? I've worked with. Um, well, I knew her when she was a first assistant, and oh, okay. I was a second assistant in New York many years ago. 
Um, I've knew, I've worked with her when she was operating, and then um, I started day playing on uh, the HBO show um, about the polygamist. Um, Big love. Big love. Right. I did some time on that, and then I worked on Bunheads, which was a one season series created by Amy Sherman Palladino and Annette um, shot the pilot which I day played on and then I became the regular B camera on the series oh cool then we did and then we did Insecure right I remember that because Colin Hudson did it with you yeah um, that's cool yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah I remember hearing from him at the time that it was handheld crazy yeah <laughs> How many? That was like ten episodes or something. Something like that, yeah. yeah. What, what about um, the Kaminsky? The Kaminsky was very little handheld, very little. How many episodes was it? Uh, I believe it was eight. Eight, okay. Yeah, but maybe knew... maybe one more with the pilot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you knew going in it was from this date to this date. There was no adding. Right. No, it was Netflix, set. Right? It was set. Yeah. Yeah. There's something nice about that. Yes. Um, <clears throat> well, that's cool. And I didn't know you. Were, I didn't know you were New, uh, were New York originally. Yes, did, I started, you started in New York. In, oh, yeah. Did you grow up in New York or? No, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, okay. And <laughs> I've never heard any Kentucky in your voice. I'm surprised to hear no, that. No, I. My parents were from Massachusetts. They got transferred there when I was one. Gotcha. They were appalled at what everybody sounded like because they were Lowell, Massachusetts. Barely could understand our neighbors. The accents were so different. Right. And they said, we don't want our daughter to sound like this. Well, my brother was born three years later. You would know with in a moment. He's got he, the drawl. He's huh? got it. Um, but <laughs> I always wanted to just get out of there. I, yeah. I, I, when I was eight, I'm like, I'm moving to New York. I just want everyone to know as soon as I can, I'm leaving this really? place. I'm moving so to New York like City. It, huh? Um, it was beautiful. I had wonderful friends. I had a great education. Uh, but for some reason, all of my fr my close friends were like, well, let's get out of here. Right. You know, let's go see the world, you know. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's true no matter where you grow. Even if you grow up in New York City, I think you probably <laughs> feel like that. Want to go to California. Some... Right. Want to see something different. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, or any yeah, anywhere, I think. But um, it also, you know, the traveling makes you appreciate where you came from, too, sometimes. Yes. Or yeah. realize how backwards it is. Or yes. both. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I'm from Florida. So, you know, we've, we've you know, Kentucky's got nothing on us. So. Right. right. <laughs> well, it's funny because um, for a number of years, uh, I worked in Atlanta, you know, during the whole Atlanta. Well, it's still very busy, but when it first became Well, busy, you didn't move there or anything. No, I didn't move there, right. but I just did uh, four seasons of TV. Yeah. And the landscape and the climate is very similar to Louisville. And I found Atlanta absolutely gorgeous. And so I started going, you know, this is like where I grew up. It's really, it was really beautiful. It made me sort of appreciate, you know, my hometown a little bit more. Right. Made you miss it a little bit, yeah. maybe. Yeah. 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 Did yeah. you, did you, you didn't like Atlanta enough to stay there, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, I have all my, my life is here. Yeah. My husband is here. Yeah, you know, my of course. My friends and... Sure. Yeah. But a lot of people have moved. Yeah, it's not for me. Families and everything. It's not a permanent place for me to be. Me either. Yeah. I've spent a bit of time there, but um, 
and worked there a little bit, but not that much compared to a lot of people. And now so many people have moved out there. They don't, they don't have to bring as many people anymore. Right. But, um, you know, yeah, good for, I guess, you know, you go out there instead of renting a, an apartment, you can buy a house there, you know, <laughs> a big house. Yes. Yes. That's been appealing <laughs> to many people. Of course. Understandably so. But, um, so it, so you were in so when did you go to New York? When you, I went did you to go New York. when you were eighteen? Uh, well, I went to college. Um, I went to um, Kalamazoo College in Michigan. Okay. I they had a work study program for one quarter of your sophomore year, so I went to New York for that, hmm. and I worked at the New York Times. And oh wow, uh, yeah, and I was a you know news clerk, and then I decided they offered me an extension of my work study so I decided not to go back to school I kept working there and then I decided to go back to get my degree and I ended up transferring to Vanderbilt in Nashville and I got sort of caught up in doing theater Mm. so I ended up going to graduate school um, thinking that if I didn't have a career in theater acting I would be teaching, so I sort of did that, and then I moved to New York. Gotcha. And um, what were you originally majoring in? I mean, journalism or something. You ended journalism, up the Times. you know, English journalism, that things like that. That was an interest. Um, I was always sort of torn between um, reality and fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my career, sure, even now, it's a little bit of a blend. Not right. reality TV, but other sorts of you know real life. Things, but um, so anyway, I went the theater route, and uh, it also justified my move to New York. You know, to my parents at that sure. point, I'm like, well, I'm going to do this. I got to be there, right? And I got into um, doing off, 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 off Broadway theater, and I got involved in a wonderful theater company, and we had our own theater on the Lower East Side, and did a lot of political theater anti-establishment sort of really movement and cool um yeah and i as i kept trying with a having a career in theater it became increasingly frustrating as it does for many people where you just keep putting it out there keep Mm -hmm. putting it out there and nothing comes back at least nothing particularly nothing nothing that would be paying right and so i got we started getting really frustrated and a friend of mine said you need another creative outlet that has nothing to do with that you need to sort of keep yourself you know the create creativity flowing try photography Hmm. so i really got into still photography um film you know dark room the whole thing really really into it and uh like everybody else, I was waitressing, I was typing, I was like working day and night trying to keep the New York lifestyle together. Yeah. And so one of my photography teachers said, uh, you should try to work for this photographer as an assistant. So you started taking classes? I took one class uh, and um, learned you know, a lot, did a lot of just learning on my own. But I, I assisted a still photographer. And he uh, had a client who wanted him to shoot a 16 millimeter industrial film. So this guy said to me, I don't know how to use that camera. Why don't both, why don't both of us learn? And then you can load the mags um, and learn how to use an agra in case I want to record some sound. And I'm like, okay. So we went 
uh, you know, down to the Aton place in New York. Les Zellin was running that. He's something. Anyway, yeah. We learned how to use the Aton, and on the plane to oh, Iowa, loading Aton sixteen mags. Yeah. So I <laughs> then on the plane to Iowa, where this film about the corn corn man you know corn growing and fertilizing okay uh this is a this is a stupid story but anyway i learned the nagra no, on the plane right and i loaded the mags <laughs> on, the <plane. laughs> on the plane learned the nagra i don't know what we really recorded but anyway this is a, this photographer was the kind of guy we went up in a helicopter and he took a rope around his waist and hung out the plane i mean it was like seat of your pants yeah, production yeah. right but it was a great learning Which is experience fun when you're young it was really fun yeah and uh, sort of opened my eyes up to the fact of, you know, I learned still camera. I could learn six, you know, I can learn. And I had a friend in the theater company who was a sound man mm-hmm. in Nabit 15, which was one of those guilds where it included every, all the crafts. Right. And he said, you know, I'm really toying with the idea of getting more into camera. But, and he knew a lot of camera people. He says, you know, why don't you try to learn to be a camera assistant in motion picture and get in the union and earn a decent living. So I tried, I did that. And I told the still photographer, I, you know, you know what I decided? I decided to get into the union. He goes, you'll never do that. Right. Why, why are you even bothering? And that was all I needed. I'm like, oh yeah? Right. Okay then. Right. Let's see what I can do. So I, Nabit was a... Uh, but you were still working for him while you were trying I was to... working for him. I was still doing a thousand jobs. Working wherever, whoever Oh my God. Pay you. Part-time this, part-time that. Oh, I got a, I got a photography gig. Will you cover my waitering shift? Blah, blah. You know, it was just like this right. mad, you know, jumble of jobs. Yeah. So um, I decided, okay, let's try to get in the union. Let's try to make this work. I PA'd a little bit. Um but the my my uh, expenses were so high, uh, living in New York City and being part of a theater company where we were. Oh, because you were paying them too. Yeah, you know, we were. You know, you're part of that. We we're right. part of that group. Um, uh, that uh, I paid very ju- judiciously, and I did at at a uh, commercial production company that had their own equipment. Mm. And I'd heard that if you PA'd there and you told them that's what you want to do, camera, they'll point you eventually in that they would let you actually practice with their all their airy all their airy cameras. Mm. So I did that, and they were they were really great to me. And I did meet camera assistants who then taught me how to slate. And it was you know it was union, but it was you know sort of like I was doing a little it's bit commercials of too. Probably, it was commercials, right? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And a little um, more loosey goosey. Yeah, like Paul Cameron was one of the camera assistants you know like a lot of people went through this place sure and what was the name of it ampersand ampersand they don't exist anymore do they i or? I, I doubt it the yeah. the there was there were two dps santiago suarez was one of them he's i think he's still working but yeah um anyway um you know, I got my feet wet a little bit doing production. You know, I pee. I remember I PA'd on something that Nancy Schreiber was shooting, and um, uh, you know, I would follow the uh, shadow the camera assistant, and um, I really, I, I really had to be focused. You know, mm-hmm. and I took a uh, summer, like a full time summer program at NYU in cinematography, and that teacher um, Beta Bodka was. Uh, an amazing director of photography and he really took me under his wing 
in terms of encouraging me to really keep going, get in the union. Right. And I had to show work in that class, and all I had to show were my stills. I didn't have anything, you know, that I'd shot, and yeah. he, you know, he took me in. It was great. That's cool. Yeah. It's nice to have uh, people support you. Yeah. When you're, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I re- I remember when I was IPA too, and I would try to learn about camera, and so many great people would, you know, oh, what's that cable? What's that do? What's this yeah. thing? You know, taught me how to load a mag. Taught me, you know. Just watching him put lenses on. Yes. Oh, you do this, you do that. Okay, here's how you thread the film. Yeah. You know, just all the little stuff. Yeah, I mean, people that I met, um, I mean, my friend, the sound mixer, helped me, but then I would start meeting other people. Dave Frederick was one of the people I met right off the bat who um, I remember. Uh, was Dave New York, too? Yes. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, he oh. Gave, I remember he, he and another Nabit person gave a seminar on uh, a camera that I went to and um, people were very giving. They were very uh, um, welcoming and, and really generous in passing along the information. Um, there was a guy that I worked with, Steve McNutt, who now is a DP living in Vancouver, but he was a camera assistant. I seconded in for him, but he, but he, when I was trying to get in the union, he was helping me. Um, and uh, that, Getting in the union was a process of taking a written test uh, about diff- basic cinematography and things, and then yeah. uh, taking a written, do, I mean, doing a practical test where it would be an all day long, 12 different cameras, and you'd go from camera to camera, like station to station, and there'd be a camera assistant there who would watch you put the camera together, load the film, ask you questions. So it was a hands-on. Mm-hmm. So that involved basically just to see if you had at least a basic. Yeah, I mean, you had to know twelve cameras. Yeah. You know. Um, I'm trying to think of what twelve. <laughs> I mean, there well, was a Photosonics. There was a high-speed camera. Okay, that's a couple that makes of sense. BLs, Panavision. You know, sixteen millimeter. Sure. Thirty-five millimeter. Um, yeah. CP sixteen. Oh, CP sixteen. Yeah, I was trying to think like the Aton sixteen. I remember that mag. Was it the 35 mag or the 16 mag that was so crazy to load? I only used the 16. But that was a really weird one to load. It was right? weird. Yeah. yeah. But then, but then that CP16 to thread was. <laughs> yeah, there were some tricky parts to that. Well, it was just so much. Yeah. It was where I think a lot of uh, I don't know. I just. But seemed... now, I mean, when I try to wrap my head around some of the digital cinematography. The film seems so simple, you know. I mean, it's it, it you know, is simple, and and, yeah. and just conceptually simpler, you know. Yeah. So um, light hits a thing. It you actually it can it. see right. all the things that are part of making the picture. I mean, you can't. There's a latent image that gets you know exposed. But anyway. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it occurs to me that nowadays with the cameras and stuff. Okay, there are some things on set that you kind of have to learn hands-on, but a lot of it, you can just read it, you know? If you want to know how to set up, like, whatever, all the image stuff for uh, any any kind of digital camera, you can read it all online, Yeah. you know? So, which is great in some ways, and then in other ways, it's like, you don't get that on-set experience right. that, that you got, and, you know, um, all the little things that seconds learn or loaders learn really early, like how to hand a, a, how to hand the lens to the first how to put it away how to you know just 
practical stuff yeah um that kind of takes a while to it's a lot you see assistants running around i was never really an assistant but i've seen enough good ones and bad ones to know yeah <laughs> mostly good though yeah yeah but um yeah that's that's interesting so then you went from new york where you you became an assistant obviously i became an assistant i assisted for 12 years um near the end of that some of the people that i was working for started shooting in la or having projects based in la mm. and um that was it was right before nabit merged with um the ia mm. but so there wasn't a union problem and you know i mean i could I, the kind of stuff that i was i was working on union stuff in new york in television series and commercials and documentaries and movies and a lot of non-union music videos mm -hmm. um but some of the movies i did were indie movies and some of the dps were coming out here so i came out here and um did a movie um which involved shooting here and shooting in wyoming and north dakota and you know we do like a road movie that's cool yeah which movie was that it was called from hollywood to deadwood um, hmm. Not a particularly well-known movie, but Peter Deming shot half of it, and Lisa Rinsler shot another half of it. And it was the movie where I really learned how to pull focus. Really? Yes. Why? And, why is that? I mean, you'd been doing it for years. Uh, no, it was it was sort of it was like sort of earlier in my career. Oh, so you had been seconding I'd for a been long time, seconding. right? You hadn't been firsting. For and then right. on this one, I believe there were times when I was the only camera assistant. So you know, I was just like, okay, here we go. All right, you know, it's night exterior and it's snowing and yes, what? And, and you we're know. wide open. And and yeah, okay. But I learned. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I did a lot. I because. I could do, obviously anybody can do non-union work, but I did a lot of non-union work where I was a first assistant and just learning by the seat of my pants. Mm -hmm. And then it seemed like when I got union work, I would be seconding, you know, for a while. And I did big budget movies and all sorts of things. And then I got lucky union-wise because I got hired to do a TV series and a uh, great crew, amazing bunch of people. And so after the first season, we all, in the camera department, we all got bumped up. So wow. um, the uh, gaffer became the DP. The DP had started to direct. Uh -huh. And the first assistant became the camera. There's only one camera, camera operator. I had been seconding and loading, and now I was the first assistant. And I was ready for that when it came because yeah. of all this other, you know, insanity. Sure. And... Um, Did you always have an eye on operating? I did. I did. And the really good thing about that was that, first of all, everybody was looking out for each other's back. Mm -hmm. You know, like the guy that all of a sudden moved up to operate, he had some experience, but that DP and that director in the beginning needed to help him out. They'd nurture him a little. Yeah. Right. And that guy also watched my back as the first assistant. You know, because right. he knows your job better than his own. Yes. Right. And, and, but I saw what he went through. I saw what it, what he was learning and because I'm mean, a lot of people these days talk to me about this but there were always wheels yeah there was always a geared head oh yeah and so somehow in the course of hanging out with the equipment waiting I practiced 
so that when I was ready to move up to be an operator, you I wouldn't have the somehow, struggle. I mean, I, and it just sort of like happened. I would just keep practicing and it wasn't like, oh my God, I have an operating job. I've got to learn this in two weeks. No, it was just over the course of time. Mm. I practiced enough that I, that I you know, became familiar with it. So that's one benefit of being part of a camera crew where you see what other people go through and you know what you have to learn, you know. Um, I've always been really lucky that way. So anyway, but I did get, I did get to start getting these jobs in LA. One of the main DPs I worked with on and off in New York was a woman named Lisa Rensler, and she, she moved here. So for a while I came out here, I worked with her, then I would go back to New York. I was going back and forth. Oh, yeah. And there was another woman named Joey Forsyth who was shooting here and in New York, and I also did. Joey Forsythe? Yeah. I've never heard that name before. Yeah. Hmm. She um, was very active shooting indie features. She had been a gaffer, and she was shooting. And then um, she left the business for a while. Now she's shooting again. I think she she just won an Emmy for some, for some oh, cool. documentary, I think. Oh. Um, and that's <coughs> those two people and a bunch of other women were people that I started with right after I got in the union. And it was totally unintentional, but, you know, uh, it, someone, a camera assistant, a guy recommended, you know, well, just suggested to me, you know, I think you'd really like working for Lisa. Why don't you get in touch with her? And I did, and I did a lot of things with her. And um, um, a lot of movies, a lot of, a lot of everything. And then also with Joey and you know I hadn't spent years and years as a PA I I sorta knew who was in the business but I had no sense of oh it's unusual for a woman to do this I mean I just th that was just who I met right. you know I worked for many many male directors of photography but these two women were there and it wasn't you know, it was sort of like ignorance was bliss. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, w it wasn't even really something I thought about. It's one of those things where you didn't know that that thing, did, that didn't yes, happen. Yes, yes. Right. So that attitude of like, I'm just going to do the best I can and be the best worker that I can be. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe I was in a crowd that maybe was a little bit, um, particularly in the indie world, maybe a little bit more... Um, uh, I would say not conservative people, you know, more on the on the freewheeling right. sort of open side of things. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, maybe some of them had been hippies, you know what I mean? It was yeah, sort of yeah. like that was the world I was in, right? And um, more experimental a little bit. So I was really lucky that I just and more accepting. Maybe more accepting, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it for many on many projects. In fact, I just worked with um, um, this key grip who I did my first feature with, with Lisa. And um, yeah, it was just, not, it was never particularly a big deal. Right. You know? uh, but I was going to say, I mean, it must, what a rare thing. It was I very rare. It was rare. Although in Nabit, there were two women who helped me get through the test who had already gone through it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the, that tough, huh? Well, they just encouraged me. 
you know, and mm-hmm. they didn't give me the sense of like, oh my God, this oh, okay. is going to be hard. It was just sort of like. They just wanted to make sure you passed. Yeah. They were just like, <laughs> okay. you know, helpful, very yeah. helpful. And um, I don't even know, you know, it, they, fortunately they didn't like jinx it. Like, oh my God. You right, know? right. They were just like, just study, just be good. You know, just, you know, it was, it was not like. Did you find it tough? Uh, it was very challenging. And the other nice thing was that there was a group of us that were scheduled to take this practical test. And we had to go to rental houses to practice mm-hmm. with the gear. And, um, you know, uh, um, when I would go on my own, when, and when I had gone even before I was getting ready to take the test, I found some people to be very generous at the rental houses and some to not be so generous. Mm-hmm. But there was somebody at a general camera, which is, became Panavision, which said, you know what, I'm really tired of you guys bugging me. Okay, just come here on Tuesday at 3 o'clock and we're gonna, I'm going to give you Panavision. We're going to go over it. You know, so the four, five of us Instead went. Instead of randomly being around. Yes, right. yes. And gotcha. th- that, that was just like an ad hoc thing that we, we all... S- started meeting each other we knew each other and we helped each other you know it's it was really the opposite of competitive it was very cooperative that's cool yeah that's very nice are you still in touch with any of those people um or are they still in the business yeah um ron schlager oh okay was part of that wow cool (laughs) that's um yeah, that's really neat. Yeah, well, and he's out here too. Has been yeah. for many years. Um, yeah, that's that's really neat. Well, cool. So then you kind of what at a certain point you were working out here a lot, and then you just figured. Yeah, and I f- felt like it would be nice to have a change, you know, a change of environment, and um, a lot of the work out here seems so much easier than the conditions I was working in New York. <laughs> Better temperatures. No snow, easier no rain. to get around. I mean, you know, that I would too. be get, yeah. I would be getting on the subway at like four thirty in the morning sometimes, you know, and oh. schlepping my stuff. And you know, um, I didn't think anything of it. But once I had had a little taste of L.A. right, you don't know how bad you had it. Until yeah, you I'm like, how... <laughs> oh, there's a rental house that actually has windows. This is <laughs> amazing, you know. <laughs> right. Right, there's a parking lot. Like. Yeah, and I just leave everything in my car, and then I just drive it to work. You know, right. That concept. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Where were you living in the city? I started out in Echo Park, and then I ended up uh, sharing a house with another a woman who was a woman DP named Karen Grossman. And, um, you know. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, you're in the valley somewhere now, right? Now I'm in North enough? Hills. Oh, North yeah. Hills. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Been there a while. Yeah. 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 Still liking the LA lifestyle? You know, it's getting harder and harder. Yeah. It's weird. I, I have loved it out here forever. In what way? Um, it's getting harder. Man, the t- typical traffic issue. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, the you know the things about that are nice are just you know if you live in the valley it takes longer and longer to get to the beach you know things like that I mean California is still great but it's it's um, um, sometimes really visually so so hard on the eyes you know mm. yeah I know in this beautiful landscape where we've built all this concrete <laughs> yeah 
yeah. you've covered it all up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I, t- I tend to like urban environments, but I, I know what you mean. It's, uh, it is that way. Yeah. And yeah, the traffic and all that. I mean, there's just so many people now. Have, yeah. Like, ugh. Um, we could bitch about that all yes, day, couldn't we? Yes, we could. <laughs> we could. Um, well, that's um, that's that's interesting. And then, what year? When would it have been that you moved up to operating? Like, how'd that happen? Um, that was in the late '90s. I moved to LA in '91. I continued to do the assisting thing, and um, um, I started getting, you know, like, whoa, I really need to do some other. Th- you know, I, I really need to change what I'm doing. I'm getting Feeling bored. a little stagnant. A little yeah. stagnant. And um, I had a, one of my mentors was a DP that I worked with named Fred Elms. And he, we, I did a lot of indie movies with him and a lot of commercials. And he often operated. Mm. So it wasn't like I could really say to him, oh, if there's an extra camera. Kind of, it's it was just not that situation. Mm. But I asked his advice on, I mean, I told him I'd like to move up. And um, I was just getting st- started with the idea, you know, and I was toying with going to AFI. And I think that's sort of, he had gone to AFI and I was just sort of like, I think I should go back to school. And he said, no, 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 no. What you should do is just start shooting. I was just like, really? And he goes, yeah, because then you'll be operating. Just operate what you shoot. Just just get out there. Any camera, get behind any camera you can. If you have to be shooting, shoot it. Just do your own thing. Mm. So um, I took his advice and uh, I spent, I, I started um, doing, And you'd already been on this other show too, right? Where you were learning the wheels? <laughs> I'd been doing that forever. I just did that just... That was what I sort of did. That it's was my, like your break time. Yeah, you know, I did that. I uh, got it. Okay. And um, um, so he says, go out and just start shooting. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to spend X amount of dollars to go back to AFI. Uh, you know. So I started shooting a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, sixteen millimeter. I did one thirty-five millimeter thing. Um, you were just shooting like little short films or something. Short or? films, uh, music videos. A documentary, you know, interviews, you know, random, you know, like. But you were getting hired for for stuff. You weren't. It's not like you were shooting your own short film that you. No, it was. I was getting hired. I wasn't writing. I wasn't doing the writing. Okay. Um, I did a uh, feature, and these are really low budget. Yeah. Okay. Super freebie. A lot of freebies. Um, but it was really good experience, and it was like operating with the least of it. <laughs> just like okay, we, you know, like I right. just spent an hour shoot, you know, lighting this thing. Okay, let's shoot it already. Right. Um, you know, gaffers that wouldn't show up. You know, how, yeah, and stuff how, like that. How sure. am I gonna the, the PA that couldn't set a C stand? You know, oh my, you know, it's just like things like that. It was very challenging, but it was fun. <laughs> sure. And um, um, then I started sort of putting the word out that I I wanted to get more operating experience and I got majorly lucky this guy I had known in New York Ray Preziosi is a DP who does not like to operate Mm. oh my god and he was doing low budget stuff and he did a short that I did that went well then he got a feature uh, up in Santa Cruz non-union feature Mm. 
And he said, okay, I want you to do this. And that was amazing because it was with kids. It was um, a really wonderful script, a really wonderful director, super low budget, pressure. Like, we only have enough film to do two takes, basically. Right. And the sun is going down, and right. the kids won't hit their marks. Go. And, that, Good luck. and, and Ray was amazing. He taught me so much. And um, then I did another movie with him. Uh, everything was in Northern California, but it was good. And it was like, you know, just go away, do these things. You're not going to earn a whole lot of money. You're just going to be so much more experienced. Yeah. And um, uh, figuring stuff out, you know, um, all sorts of things. Uh, and and I'd, so I would, you know, gain confidence and I would start telling more and more people, you know, uh, you got a freebie, I'll do it. You know, you got, I'll do anything. I'll, 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 you know, I was willing to help people out on their projects. Right. Um, and uh, started getting, you know, feeling like. Uh, feeling pretty solid. Pretty, feeling more solid. And I financed it by preparing, you know, ahead of time by saving money. Mm. And I did a feature called How Stella Got Her Groove Back. It was my last feature as a first assistant. Then I just started taking commercials. So I had time for this. But I, pre, right. you know, I sort of gave myself some savings in order to try to make the transition. Sure. It's a big deal no matter where you're moving up. I mean, second yeah. and first maybe is a little different. But when you're trying to move up from even from loader to it's a little different now, but it used to be a big yeah, and I wasn't assisting the operating. Yeah, and in, at that point in my assisting career, I wasn't in the world of episodic television. Right. Where where people got moved up. Where people got moved up, or there was a C camera. I right. mean, you know, right. just get that close up of the uncle at the Thanksgiving dinner. You right. know, that's all you got to do, and they're not going to move. Right. You know, and that gives you a chance to learn. That, but right. I didn't. I didn't get that. Right. So I had to sort of make my own opportunities by just networking like anything, you know. Yeah. And um, I really pounded the pavement. I really, you know, I talked to some PA who said, oh, I, I can try to, you know, let you meet this DP who's doing, you know, I mean, I, I just really just shook out the... Whoever, yeah. Whoever, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, did you ever consider Steadicam? Because I was think while you were saying that I was thinking you know, like me and a lot of other people, we got into operating through Steadicam basically. Um, that just occurred to me. But did you ever consider Steadicam not as a way to get in, just as a? No, I tried on Bob Gorlick's Steadicam vest one day when I was assisting. Uh huh. And I was just like, this is not this is not going to happen. <laughs> even sure I want to do what it takes to make this happen you know what I mean yeah sure sure <laughs> and um, if it doesn't feel right from minute one it's probably and, not gonna be <laughs> and I think the world that I was in you know I mean I I remember I did uh, you know I assisted Steadicam operators but it wasn't uh, that it wasn't the um, everyday sort of world I was in right um, well, now every almost every job has Steadicam. Yeah, and and back right. then it was it was a specialty. 
um, you know, mostly uh, day playing, mostly day playing, and and also on the kinds of things that I was working on. Mm. You know, uh, it wasn't I wasn't working on, um, you know, fifteen helicopters and f- five thousand policemen running around. Uh, right. Let's go find You're the killer. Working on super down and dirty. Some super down and dirty. How stellar got a groove back was gorgeous. Well, yeah, but that was as a first. I mean, once you were operating, I mean, they were all the ones. But were but I but I, what I mean what I mean is I wasn't in the um, I wasn't certainly there were steady cam operators that would come in, but I wasn't like in that world of mm-hmm. like oh my god, it would be so cool to be able to do this shot as a steady cam operator. Gotcha. I think if I'd been more exposed to it, it might have been more tempting. Mm. to realize oh my god the kind of control that i could have you know it's amazing but it just didn't really didn't appeal it didn't it didn't it it, it didn't appeal physically but it also didn't really occur to me as to what an amazing tool it is Mm. and how great it must feel to have that skill right yeah um yeah i understand that i mean it's certainly not for for everybody i know plenty of people have said basically the same thing oh i tried some of these rig on i mean you said you just tried the vest and we're like that's no, no. i know i put it all oh, together put put, i put the whole the, the, oh, i put the vest on i put got the it. i was like wow no 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 if, no. If put, just, I, no, yeah. no no i went i went for it but then i was just like no so you picked it up what walked around for a minute and we're like eh. yeah gotcha yeah yeah well <clears throat> there is a there is a physical aspect to it that that you have to it's a hump you have to get over but certain people put it on and they're like ah and other people put it on and are like oh it's a little okay but i could get used to this and that's the way i felt when i put it yeah, on yeah that's cool and it, lucky i guess i i don't know but i'm also a big dude so it 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 affects me physically a little differently than yeah. it does a lot of other people yeah. and the, the other thing the other experience i had was um when i was assisting uh, I worked with sometimes I worked with a woman camera operator and she was one of the most fearless funniest people I'd ever worked with who was that uh, her name is Alicia Weber and she was based in New York and um, we did a movie where she had to hang off the side of a boat I mean she would she would do anything she would really she was very physical but she didn't do steady cam right and um, and I think she be, she was a real role model also. You know, I just, uh, um, very powerful person, so. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. Did Well, it occurred to me when you said she would do anything. I mean, I wonder how much has it changed in your career, like from, like with safety issues? Because I've been asked to do a bunch of things. I've said no on a couple of occasions that are really more seriously dangerous. And... You've been in the business longer than I have. I imagine. I mean, was it a lot worse or, or yeah. better or? It was worse. It was worse. Yeah. So I imagine you've done some things. Looking back, you're like, oh, I wouldn't do that again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. They can be fun when you do them, though. Yes, they can be fun. You know, ignorance is not always bliss, and yeah. um, fortunately, I never saw anybody get hurt. Yeah. But wow. There was potential, particularly around cars. Yeah. yeah. Well, one little thing can can go wrong, and and a lot of people can get hurt. Yeah. With the car crashes, and <clears throat> as a matter of fact, I I remember I was doing a movie in Spokane, Washington, and 
we had this giant Suburban on like 36 inch tires with the big lift, you know, so things super top heavy and it, and it's the main vehicle of the movie. And, um, and the, the, the actor is basically having a foot chase with this car through Washington DC, which is played by Spokane. And so it goes through this traffic at one point and it hits a car and it's supposed to hit it and then veer off and keep driving. Well, when it, so we shut down almost all of downtown Spokane, it seemed like a few blocks, whatever it was. And there are some windows in stores where there's big plate glass windows and all these people are watching from just outside of camera and they're looking. And there are some that are basically in the shot. You just can't see them because the glass, you know. Anyway, the car's driving through this intersection and it hits the car and it hits them too heavy. And the wheel breaks off the axle and goes flying directly at that plate glass window with all the people in the building. And there's a photograph that our loader took of the tire bouncing and like 50 people standing in front of this glass, like, like, you know, mouth agape. And it took one last bounce and right before it smashed through the window, it luckily hit the fire hydrant and bounced off. But I mean, who knows? It was headed straight for him. Who knows if anybody would have been seriously hurt, but I mean, you have a giant tire that could kill you if it hit you in the face going into glass with a bunch of people. It would have been bad. And we had to redo it because that car has to live till the end of the movie. Uh, so we had to come back weeks later and shoot it again, but um, but they didn't have, they didn't let people in there. But this was a non-union movie and that director asked me to do a lot of crazy, crazy things and I said no to him on a couple of occasions. Um, but with really the help of, of Steve Herson, he was my first for most of the movie. And he, um, it was a shot, same suburban sliding around a corner. I hope I haven't told this story before I'm no, here. But anyway, no. you haven't heard it. Anyway, I haven't so. heard it. No. So this director's an ex-stunt guy, big stunt guy, and um, his first directing thing. But he did a lot of second unit directing. Um, so he knew camera and stuff and where this this suburban is going to take a right turn and slide you know that typical you know whole thing through the intersection and and he wants the camera on the corner that it's coming at and um he goes oh i need the shot blah 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 he's from china so he's a little broken english but and i said okay give me give me the 50 he goes no 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 wider wider i said okay give me the 40 <laughs> he's like no 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 real wide i'm like okay give me the, give me the 35 and he's like no 18 give me the 18 i'm like right so you already know what's up here so okay we put the 18 and we don't have a remote head or anything and also a lot of this was very like grabbing shots we're pushing carts through the city just getting this and that okay now the car turns you know that kind of stuff so it's not like we have, even if we had a remote head, it's not like we go to the truck, get it kind of thing. Anyway, so it's an 18 and I'm like, well, Andy, I mean, you know, we're so wide, the truck's got to come really close to us now. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. And Steve Hurston goes, I'm not doing that. I'm not standing there. He goes, I'll set it all up for you and I'll, I'll be over here. And I was like, if Steve, Steve's been in the business longer than me, I'm like, if Steve's not going to do it maybe I shouldn't do it either. And I'm like, you know, Andy, that's really dangerous. He's like, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm like, okay. So 
the drivers were good, um, and there was a grip on Andy's belt, and no assistant. Uh, we're on an 18, it's daylight, you know, he's probably in mm. an 8, it's whatever. So, the, here comes the truck, and he and he stays way far away from camera. And Andy's like, no, 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 closer, 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 closer. So, again, he comes a little closer. Anyway, they do it four times. The last time, the grip, it was coming, it was looking bad. The grip pulls as hard as he can on Andy's belt. Andy won't let go of the camera. So, he drops him, the grip runs. And the back of the camera comes and hits the leg of the tripod just as Andy pulls his eye off the eyepiece. Luckily for him, because the whole camera, like, it doesn't hit him, um, but he, he probably would have had a broken eye socket or whatever it might have been. Um, doesn't wreck the camera or anything. There's no damage. But Andy says instantly, okay, we got it. I said, no, 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 Andy, you pulled your eye off the eyepiece. <laughs> You flash. He goes, it's okay. It's okay. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you realize how dangerous that was, you're good with it, right? You know, I didn't say that to him, but that's what I thought. And, But, um, I mean, it's fun to be adventurous and try stuff, but we have to think a little bit about, like... Yeah, I know. And when you're in the heat of the moment, um, somebody can convince you, when you're inexperienced, mm-hmm. you know, somebody can convince you how cool something's going to be. Right. And you don't want to be the one who's like raining on the parade. Right. You know. And you're also eager to please when you're, you're young. You're eager to yeah. please. And I have to say, as, as a woman, I would feel really uncomfortable saying, I, I don't think I can do that. Right. You know, I, I would be like so aware that I had to be strong. You know, I had to like, okay, I can do, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, um, you know, the guardian angels have been always looking out for me. So, yeah. But have you had any close calls? Well, I, I, I was just thinking about one <laughs> where somebody did give me a chance to operate, of course, because they didn't want to do it. Chance, <laughs> um, and uh, um, it was on a lake, and we had to take the sticks in the water. And, um, you know, be standing, I, maybe I had waders on, you know, standing in the water. and this, Waist deep or something. Something like that. And the speedboat was supposed to come towards the camera and at a certain point, you know, veer off. And just go past you or? No, because no, I was near the shore. Oh, it right, had of to course. Like, so he's just going to do a turn. turn by you, right? Yeah. Sure. Okay, got and, it. And um, there was a grip standing by me. Stunt driver driving the boat? Yes. Okay. And it was an antique boat, wood, beautiful boat. Mm, cool. I do not remember why that was part of the story, but it was a beautiful speedboat. And um, I think that the director of photography, who was also opera- was also operating another camera, but he was up on the shore. Mm. And um, I was very excited, of course. And the boat co- starts coming, and I'm thinking to myself, inexperienced, I'm like, wow. I thought the boat should have veered off by now. Wow. Seems like you should have turned. I, I really I really thought that the well, the guy totally blew where he was supposed to turn off. He comes so close and then I sprayed with water. I mean, this is like shallow water, you know, practically. Yeah. And he he scrapes up the boat boat like crazy. But what was really bad was that the grip didn't pull me. Really? The grip left me. And I was looking... So the grip just turned and ran away? Yeah. And, and the lens, I guess, it's sort of a long lens, so I had a hard... T- I didn't realize how close. 
and I was so into it. Right. You know, I'm not, and I'm not putting my head away from the camera. You know, I'm like, I'm going to do this. Right. And that was really dumb. And also, you can't, like you can now, you can just pull your eye yeah. off and still see, but yeah. you're, you're flashing film if yeah. you do that. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> wow. Yeah. And I got soaked. And the, and the, st- I remember the stunt coordinator chewed that guy out like I've never seen anybody get chewed before. That was so stupid. Fortunately, it wasn't a car. You know, it was a little bit better than being a car on a road. Is it? I mean, the problem. Because there was no, you know, I don't know. Well, I was thinking the, the problem with the water is even if the grip pulls. You can stumble. You're in water. Yeah. It's, I mean, you can't run. It's harder to run. You're going to be like swish, swish, <laughs> yeah, swish. Yeah. You know, trying to get away. It's not like yeah. you can just literally turn and run. Yeah. Like you could if you were on concrete or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But um, wow, that's lucky it didn't it didn't get you. But yeah. um, but I'm happy. I'm so happy that people are much more conscious of it. You know. Yeah. Well, there's no reason. I mean, we can take those calculated risks sometimes. I mean, everything's a calculated risk. Walking outside is a ca- so you have to understand that like everything there's a risk level, and if you don't feel comfortable, even if someone else does. Maybe that's okay, but like you should, probably shouldn't do it, especially if you're nervous. That makes it worse. It's gonna, it's gonna make your shot stink, maybe, and also, you're not gonna react properly if you need to. You know, if you're scared or nervous, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. Um. But um. Uh, but yeah, I mean, people. You know, I I I told the other shot the other another time. I said no to that same director. He wanted me in a car in that suburban over the shoulder of the driver um, on a two lane road on the side of a mountain. Um, He wanted me shooting handheld as that car exploded and flipped upside down passing the car Mm. that we would have been in. And the stunt got done and Andy did the shot and an assistant, a local assistant up there who, to be honest, I think was a little too eager to please. um, She did, she did the shot with them. Um, and everything went okay, but you can even see in the movie fire exploded and surrounds the, the the suburban. And you know, I'm just like I'm not dying for your movie, Andy. You know, it's gonna look cool. I agree, it's a cool shot. Yeah, let's get a remote head, put it in there, and I'm happy to do the shot. It'll be awesome. But you know, he went in there with no safety gear, no helmet, no anything. Okay, yeah, the driver's a stunt driver, but. If something goes wrong and that car hits them, they're rolling down a mountain. They're screwed. There was nowhere to go, you know? So anyway, um, that was an easy no. The other one took me a minute, you know? But luckily, Steve was there to say, yeah. like, hey, man, that's... Yeah, yeah. But the different side, I probably would have said, before it hit the things, I would have been like, okay, that's close enough. Like, if you want to do any closer, I'm not doing it. Right. Maybe. I. Who knows? But, right. But, um... I don't, you know, there's no reason to die for a movie. <laughs> it's always so sad when people do. And yeah. I mean, there are all the other safety issues that we've all been talking about so much lately, which is working long hours and then driving home after all that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've I've fallen asleep hmm, five years, six years ago. I fell asleep on the way home after a 19 hour day oh. at the end of a 80 or 90 hour week, something like that. And driving home in rush hour and I fell asleep and rear-ended a girl in traffic. Oh, gosh. Now, luckily, like, no damage. She was in a hurry. She's like, oh, that, that scratch was there already. Don't even worry about it. I was like, I'm so sorry. But 
you know, and I felt like it's my, it's kind of not my fault. You know, nobody offered me a ride well, home. Or... It's so hard when you're that exhausted to have any judgment. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't, you can't, you know, you, you're not thinking clearly when you get in the car. No. Because I, I, you know, I have done that where I say, oh, I'm fine. Right. I'm fine. I just want to get home, you know, and you're, you're, I'm, I'm in a fog. You feel yeah. fine until you, you don't even know you sit you down in the car know. and within yeah. three minutes. Because you're, you're, you've, you've been on pure adrenaline, you know, yes. for like and you've been 12, standing 14 whole, hours. So then right. you sit in the car and you suddenly, Ooh. right. You know. Yeah. Your body is like, yeah. okay, shutdown time. Thank you. Finally. Right. Um, yeah. We, there's been so much stuff online about it and everything lately with all the studies. It's, you don't even realize like people think they're like, oh, I'd know if I was going to fall asleep, but apparently they don't. No, I've always felt that way too. But it's also, you know, if you if you have some drinks, people do this all the time. It's like, I'm fine. I can drive, you know. And honestly, I've done it before. And okay, maybe you are, but maybe you're not. You know, better. It's so much better to be safe. But like in the situation with me, um, nobody nobody said, hey, you know, we were downtown and I was coming um, back over here and. Nobody was like, we'll get you hotel rooms. We're going to drive you all home. Anything like that. You know, it was just, um, it was just whatever, rap. That was it. Right. And and the other, that same movie I did, 106 hour week. Oh, God. And drove home on a Sunday morning at, I think we wrapped, the sun was just coming up. It was 5.30, 6 in the morning. It was 28 degrees out. So I'm scraping my windshield with my credit card. You know, we're in Porter or not, uh, whatever, one of those ranches up there. Right. And, you know, so it's 45 minute drive home. That one, you know, smacking yourself in the face driving home. Miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, miserable. And you've been, I, has, has it gotten better or worse over the years with the hours? For me, it's definitely gotten better. 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 Wow. Um, maybe I'm just lucky, but. Um, the last couple of shows I've done, uh, I did uh, a year ago. I did a show called Doubt, mm-hmm. and we had some nights downtown. But I just don't remember like working super long hours. You know, um, it was a full on you know CBS drama. You know, I mean mm-hmm. it was. Uh, you know, tons yeah, of pages. Yeah, it's a one-hour episodic. Sure. But um, I think there was an awareness that people didn't want to get nuts. You know, I mean, there were some long days, but but nothing like you know the TV movies I did, six-day weeks. You know, on location where you have you know like twelve hours off for the week or something. Right, you know what I mean? Right. It's like um, uh, maybe I've just been working on tamer projects. Yeah, maybe you're know. just getting lucky. Yeah. Maybe it's getting a little better. I mean it. I don't know. It's it's back and forth with me. Sometimes you're on, you know, sometimes you're on a great show where they just want to, let's all go home. Let's do our best work and get out of here. We don't have to do 400 takes of everything. We don't have to do 50 setups of every single scene, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you, and you go. And then there are other ones that just want to beat that horse to death, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> DB I used to work with said, well, I think we've, um, what, uh, I think we've beaten all the baby seals to death, don't you? Right, right. <laughs> like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, take 30s up. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, it's just, and I would think that with all these producers, 
that they would want to go home too. I mean, they work pretty much the same hours we do, no? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they're not they, all on they, set all the time. They, they know what they have to, well, they know their schedule and they know their budget and they accept a script or not, you know. Right. And sometimes people are, you know, have very complicated scripts where they know it's going to be a 16 hour day. You and know? multiple locations all the yeah. time. And, yeah. Right. Like Insecure had a lot. It wasn't only multiple locations. It was difficult locations. Mm. You know, locations where there's one elevator. You know, it's a high-rise building in in downtown L.A. And there's lighting. You know, you can't... There's nowhere to light. It's very... You know, right. everything would be very challenging. Yeah. And... Um, uh, the time that it would take to get it, just the logistics of the locations would add, you know. Would was add it time. the location manager? Or were the were the? Or do you know? Or were I the think per- it was just an I. You know, I I don't know. It was it was just like we want this to be. This is the perfect location. Let's so, try to make it work. So the the unwillingness to compromise on locations, essentially. Yeah, partly. A little bit, yeah. Partly, mm. you know, a little bit of. Um, uh, overly optimistic thinking, maybe right. a little bit of inexperience as to how long things might take. Well, I know that the showrunner is a star, right? Is that the or well, she's the creator. The creator was, you know, is very involved with the whole show. Right. I, you know, since that first season, they changed every pers- everybody on the show. So I don't know, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. how it's gotten different. Sure. But. But sometimes when you work on something, um, this and it's also trying to have a different style and mm-hmm. sort of experimenting uh, with with the look, that can take longer. Also, you know, um, it's not like a hospital drama, you know, where there's right. hallways, hall, you know, rooms, a parking lot, and right. you know, one person's apartment. You know what I mean? It's not a courtroom drama, right? You know what I mean? So. Which is part of what makes the show cool because it's out and about everywhere yes, and different yes. apartments and, and it's fun. Parts of LA you know? that people haven't seen before. Yeah, and, like, and, it, yeah. and I, I had a fantastic experience on it, but yeah. I wasn't an electric humping, you know, cable. And I, you know what I mean? It was, it was. Right. I had a very different experience. Sure. Of it. I mean, you know when it's a hard location because you see all them lined up with their carts waiting for that elevator. That's the slowest thing ever. And yeah. And you know it's going to be an hour before the last guy even gets yeah. his and, gear and, up there. And, and you know, right. it's also sometimes, I don't know why this is. I've had experience of working on movies where you really feel like everybody is a part of making this. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes on TV it's a little harder to have have that atmosphere and have that attitude mm. and have that experience. Um, I did a show in Atlanta that was a TV show, but the first season we did eight episodes and the same director directed every episode. Mm. And it was shot, block shot. Mm. You know, the episodes were all, well, there was some little flow to it, but we, they had a practical location for the main character's house that was only available for X amount of time. So they had to shoot, use it for uh, all the scenes of all the episodes. So they had everything ready in terms of script. So they had it all written. What all show written. was this? It was called Being Mary Jane. Mm. 
It was the first season, and um, it, you know they they had they had used this location for the pilot. It mm-hmm. was very very important to the creators. It was like the perfect mm-hmm. house with a gazillion windows. And it was all, all about like being in a fishbowl. I mean, it was like symbolic, you know, thematic. It was like, per, it just said a lot to the okay. creators of the show. So they had to have it. So they had to have it. And um, anyway, and they, and they also, it was, it was, I wouldn't say it was experimental, but the people were given, the creators were given a certain amount of freedom. So the, we had the same director. And to me, that was a great experience because it was, we are all in this together and having that same leader mm. who was very um very good at um you know um pointing out different people's contributions oh that's nice um he would make a point of that every week like every friday night you know we we have like a, a little gathering and that's nice you know so it was a there was a spirit to it that yeah, some of the hours were long and hard and nights and whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes harder to have have that feeling on a TV show. Well, I know what you meant, like when you say he's directed all the episodes. That's a nice thing in a lot of ways because um, by the time, on most episode, episodic, by the time you get an idea of the director's style and what they like and how they do things, they're gone, you know? And then you're learning about a new a new person's proclivities and whatever they however they like to shoot. So it's this constant morphing. So I understand what you mean by like you could really you feel the teamwork more. Yeah. You really as feel as opposed like, to yeah. trying to learn about somebody new every yeah. week or every two weeks. Yeah, and you yeah. feel like you can um hopefully make some sort of contribution or, mm-hmm. you know, after you after you sort of all get to know each other. But um uh that was a great experience. This I did two more seasons of that, and they they built that house on a set, so we didn't have that. We had alternating. So you directors. didn't have to block shoot. And, yeah. Right. So, right, right. Um, but we did have two. I think, I think each director did two episodes, mm. and the same thing on the Kaminsky method. So you have a little more time. You have more continuity with the directors. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. Hey, let's take a break. We'll get you more water. Sure. All right. Excellent. Okay, we're back. We have fresh water. And we said hello to the cat. <laughs> um, yeah, you were just telling me your husband's a, a, a camera assistant as well, which I, I didn't know. I don't know how I didn't know that. Yeah. But um, does that, like if one of you, like when you worked in Atlanta, is that, how hard is that? That was hard. I mean, it was a big... Um it was a big decision to be out of town. I, I mean, I was probably out of town for four four months, and then one year, maybe five months. He would try to come to visit me. You know, I felt like it was a good opportunity um, at the time. Um, I was sort of wondering. I was just thinking about this the other day. If I had stayed in L.A., I wonder what would have happened. You know, mm-hmm. but you get an opportunity. Yeah, and you decide to try it. And um, I think it was when a lot of the DPs that I usually work for were also working out of town mm. in places where they couldn't necessarily bring me. Mm-hmm. And um, that I think that's that was sort of that was the be- that was a period of time where um, 
I had been working, like I did a series uh, called Dirty Sexy Money with Jeff Jur, who I've worked mm. with a lot. I've heard his name so many times and how great he is. Yes, he is wonderful. I've never worked with him. Yeah, he's a, he's a wonderful cinematographer and a wonderful person to work with. And I had worked with him. Will you put in a good word for me? Yes, I will. Yes, I will. <laughs> I had worked with him as a camera assistant. Oh, okay. And then um, he let me get some experience. You know, he gave me a couple days here and there when I was first starting, but I I had gotten some work under my belt. Then I did a series with him called Dirty Sexy Money for two seasons. And um, I heard of it. I never saw it. Who yeah. was in that? Uh, Peter Krause and um, uh, Lucy Liu, um, Donald Sutherland... Oh, wow. uh, Alec Baldwin. Wow. Um, it was it was epic cast. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Because they're all great. It was really amazing those actors, and um, what sort of killed it was the writers' strike, which happened. Was it that long ago? Yeah, it was that long. So it was ago. ten years ago. Yeah. Huh. Um. I before that I had day played with Jeff on Carnival. For HBO, mm. and um, that was a great looking show. That was that was amazing. And was I never weird. understood it. It was super weird. Yeah, it but. was very weird. It was sort of funny to day play on because it was so hard to follow the story. There was a there was a stand-in who uh, was one of the major stand-ins who would always fill me in on what was going on. Really, that's funny. Yeah. So. Um, God, good st a good stand-in is hard to find. Like, that's a great stand-in, knowing that you probably need to know yeah, some of this stuff. Yeah, and I've worked with him since then, and he's just the kindest person, you mm -hmm. know, who just sees that look in your eye of, like, what, you know, you know, you just don't always know what's he's, going on. He's, he's looking out all the time and yeah, not in. Yeah, and he was himself, also right? really into the show, so he was really into reading so, the scripts and following along what right. was going on. That's great. Yeah. Anyway. Well, um, the fact that the stand-in was getting the scripts is interesting, too. Yeah. I mean, that says something about him. They yeah. trusted him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, after Dirty Sexy Money, you know, I did a few other shows, but then a lot of the DPs, I think, started started going out of town. Mm. And because I don't do steady cam, I wouldn't necessarily be the one that would be taken, you know? Um if they were going to bring somebody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? So sure. um, that's what sort of led to um, going to Atlanta mm. was an opportunity. And I ended up being the A camera operator. And then Steadicam was B camera. So uh, that turned out really well. Because <laughs> it was a really good experience to be the A camera operator on something. Well, you mainly do B, huh? Well, because I do so much episodic television and because it's a lot so of much of it is A, Steadicam, right. and B, uh, not Steadicam, um, that... Um, Who was the other operator on that show? Uh, Harry Garvin. I've seen his name many times. I've never met he's him. A, he's a great guy. Oh. Really talented. Um, I just actually... It was funny because I just did the first episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend... And the A camera there is not. I was A camera because it wasn't the steady cam. Mm, there's B steady. And the B yeah. is steady cam. So. I kind of like that because with steady cam, like, you know, A camera, you never get a break, unless it's a B only steady cam shot, which happens once in a while. But, um, 
if you're B steady, or I mean A steady, you're really not getting a break, you know? And anyway, I, I don't mind it. I also don't have a big thing about B camera, A camera. I mean, we know the politics of it, but like once you're around each other all the time, you everybody does everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay, fine. So you do the first big wide shot. Great. But other than that, we do the same overs, right. you know? Yeah. It's not that different a job. Right. It's just right. that you do every single shot instead of 98% of it. Right, them. right. <laughs> So as B, at least it's nice to get a little break, especially if you've done a long steady cam shot. Every once in a while, they'll say, oh, this is A only. It's like, Phew, okay, so I have yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah, you know? it makes sense. Yeah, it's nice. But um, but you don't you don't seem to care. You were a camera. Well, we've switched back and forth on multiple that that Penelope Spheres thing. You were A and I was B, correct? I think so. Pretty sure. Yeah. And then I think um. You came on and did those pickups, was it a couple of days or whatever, with Kat, Kat Coiro? Um, do you remember? Yes, and I do. I was doing A and you... Yeah, uh, yeah, that was fun, yeah. That was fun. Those, I just remember, I don't remember, well, Justin Long is always fun. I've done like three or four movies with the guy now. I mean, not, you know, a couple of days here and a couple right. of days, it's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just remember doing those shots with Vince Vaughn and going, can you slow down? <laughs> yeah. I did this really funny, weird job with Don Rickles. I was going to ask, sorry. Dinner I wanted with to ask Don. you that. I wanted so much to ask you about that. I'm sorry. I and forgot. I, I had to, I was, I was looking over my IMDb, which is a little strange because there's stuff on there and I go, oh, that was a, I was there for one day. And it, it, it's like recently oh. a lot of stuff, I mean, the major stuff is there, but then there's other subsidiary, I feel like subsidiary stuff. Mm. Anyway, Dinner with Don was not subsidiary. It was really fun. It was... Um, Don was Rickles. At, Don Rickles actually at lunchtime because Don was doing better during the middle of the day than the end of the day. And we... Why was he... He had a little dementia he, or something? Or? No, no. He was oh. amazingly with it, but he's in poor health. And, you know, since then he's passed away. Yeah, I know, I know. And... Um, so he just was felt best in, in, in the middle lunchtime of the day. kind yeah. of thing. Okay. And um, we went to these amazing restaurants, amazing restaurants. And Vince Vaughn was, we did, I think he was the one at Nobu. Oh. So um, all around LA. Yeah. We did Billy Crystal. Um, oh, wow. Um, who's the blonde actress on Parks and Recreation? Uh, Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler. Yeah. We did, Mar we did a threesome. Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro. Don Rickles. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And huh. these were, you know, um, small setups, you know, in a restaurant that would be, uh, I think we, one It's time, basically interview style. Basically I mean, they're just having interview a conversation, style. right? Yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, really interesting. Really interesting. That had to be so fun. I'm sure yeah. you heard fantastic stories. Yeah, yeah. Don Rickles, man. And he's still, he was still so funny, you know, and very sweet. Yeah, he never stopped being funny, that guy. No. And he could be brutal, but brutal in the way that you liked him. I mean, I don't, I'm sure you've seen those old clips of him just like, well, when, when um, Sinatra came to his show in Vegas, it's kind of a famous story, I think. I mean, he just brutalized him and he laughed and then he was in. 
right. you know if you make frank laugh then you're the guy right, right? right. so um but he's like making fun of him for mob stuff or whatever like i mean really going at him and he was he was he wasn't scared i guess no. but he was great and yeah. and what in casino he was a good actor too yeah he was a good actor what else was he in um I'd have to look it up. Yeah, me too. I remember yeah. him from Casino, but I'm sure he's yeah. been in quite a few other things. Yeah, yeah. But so that show, so how long it'd be a couple hours of them like eating and talking? Yeah, yeah. So you'd set up for a couple hours. It would be, you know, it was like... Super simple, huh? Very simple. That's yeah. such a fun... Where yeah. was that? What 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 network? Uh, that was on the AARP website. Really? I don't know what else they've, if they've aired it anywhere else. It was very obscure. But they got these amazing people. Of course. Well, it's I Don mean, Rickles, like, yeah, so of course but they did. They yeah. were all willing to come out. You know, that's so cool. Yeah. So where'd you go? Wait, you went to. Um, uh, did you get to eat at these places too? No. Oh, never. Nothing. Not a drop. Really? We had a little, little bit of craft service. That was it. Really. <laughs> Snoop Dogg was one of the people. Get out of here. That's a weird one. Yeah. How well, I'm sure Don was great with him. Yeah, he was. And Snoop yeah. was very um, um, deferential. And um, it's Snoop Dogg is an interesting man. I mean, I worked, I did Monk for many seasons, and he was a guest actor on Monk, believe it or not. I didn't believe it until now. <laughs> Because I was going to ask you about, we got off chatting about all kinds of other stuff, but I, I was going to ask you about Monk yeah, as well. Yeah, but Snoop Dogg was on that, and and um, for some ungodly reason, he took it upon himself to be really friendly to me. He got a big kick out of me. It's like, what is this lady really? doing? Why is this lady camera operator? Why yeah. he thought it was? He just thought it was super weird. Well, it, it, it's it at that point. It's becoming less and less unusual. But you know how actors or pe- personalities can be, their reactions to life can yeah, be yeah, sort of yeah. like over the top. Yeah, sure. But he was he was like not over the top, but he was like aware. Uh-huh. And so he was friendly to you. He was friendly to me. He just talked to you a lot. And- yeah. And um, um, I've had that. I've had that reaction from different actors, you know, like. Because, uh, you know, when I, one of the first TV shows I worked on was um, a show called Action. With uh, Jay Moore. With Jay Moore. Charles Pappard did. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't have everyday B camera. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would, you know, come in here and there. It wasn't, it wasn't like they hired me to do every single B camera, but I did a lot of B camera. Yeah, you were, yeah. And Paul Maybaum was the DP. And it was a huge break for me huge break uh, because the day they started before they started shooting a friend of mine said I was like complaining like I don't know what to do I don't have any work and uh-huh. I'm just a new operator and oh my god what am I you know like you know the yeah, panic yeah, yeah, of sure. like you know I'm trying to sell myself and you know it's and he said you know what shows are starting up send out some resumes I'm like that's lame so lame so lame he says there was that that's when there were production reports and you could get the number of the production office uh, yeah. online there'd be these online reports and um well they still have them aren't they like paid services or something yeah i just i just am not aware of them anymore mm. but they, i'm sure they still have them but i was really addicted to them then i'm like scouring for anybody i knew or any any connection i would have to any show yeah uh 
so um, I saw this show and I called them and I said I want to send a resume so I had to fax my resume to the DP and uh, I didn't know him never met him and like an hour later and you know it's the kind of thing where you feel like okay I'm karmically you know I'm, I'm doing a good to karma thing out there. Right. which will never come back to me like uh-huh. it'll come back to me but I'll never know why or it'll be like four years from now this will pay off Mm-hmm. An hour later, Paul Maybaum called me, and he said, actually, I need a B-camera operator for tomorrow. And I'd never met him, and he just gave me a break. He, wow. I mean, he might have known somebody on my resume, but, you know, it was like one of those last-minute things. Sure. And called that's, you an hour later. That's so funny. Oh, it was just like, oh, my God, this is so unreal. You know, my friend used to say she worked for a director, so she spent a lot of time in production offices and around all that stuff, and she would say, you know, sometimes the person who gets hired is the person who sent their resume the closest to when they start, you know, if it comes across a fax machine five minutes after, they're like, oh, I need an operator. Here's an operator. Let's call this operator. Yeah. Like they don't go, no, let's see, let's call Brad and see, if, let's call Mike, let's call, you know, whoever. They just go, yes, we yeah. need to book somebody. We need it done. Yeah. So let's yeah. do it. Yeah. And he, he gave me that break. I mean, Paul, you know. That's is, cool. It was a wonderful. Well, you know, I think. I had Heather, Heather Brown. Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? I, I don't know if you heard her, her episode or not, but she talked about Paul. She, yeah, yeah, I yeah. recommended Heather to Paul. Oh, you did. That's yeah. right. She yeah. told me. I yeah. remember now. Sorry. I yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's great. He's he is really helpful to a lot of people. Anyway, but Jay Moore, I remember the right. first day. He's just like looking at me, like, "Oh my God, I never even thought about this before." Right. But I've never worked with a woman camera operator, and you know, it was like one of those sets where. It, it, we were really far away from where he was physically with the camera so he's sort of like yelling this out <laughs> and I'm just feeling like so self-conscious you know like the That's opposite so of how I used to feel but he was just like yeah and I bet you I bet you gals all know each other too oh, and I'm boy. like yeah <laughs> you know but you know he was funny but act- he was like he was being an actor yeah know? yeah yeah yeah. so it was, it was funny it was cute <laughs> That's uh that's yeah I, can, I mean i can't put myself in that place i'm the you know i'm very typical white guy i look like a camera operator guy. steady cam operator yeah. i guess so i mean you know heather talked about a, uh, a wardrobe girl going you're not in wardrobe yet like she's walking across <laughs> set and she's like no no, no go to wardrobe. and she's like what like because they don't expect it and um and 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 as an operator a lot of the time you don't have those clues like we don't wear generally tools, anything yeah. tools or to tool belt and a lot of times we don't wear a radio in all the good times we don't wear a radio. Right. i hate radios but yes um but yeah so if you're not wearing a radio you just look like you know but me they don't look twice at they're like crew member and her anyway right. yeah i found it interesting yeah we, we typecast each other you know we stereotype in front of the camera and behind the camera but that's changing though so it's true thing. and it is changing but you know like i said to her it's not it's not really I mean it's a stereotype because it's true. I mean that one there aren't that many female operators. There just aren't. So it makes sense that she wouldn't expect her to be an operator cuz she never sees fe- or very right. rarely. So I get it. And the way to change that is to have female. So now Jay Moore will never have that first <laughs> right. He won't have that shock. Right. Yeah. Next next time he works with Heather or you or somebody else, he'll be like, "Oh, you know, normal, whatever." Right. As opposed to, you know, surprise. Right. But 
I forget what the numbers were. I was reading some of the numbers and there's just the amount of women in 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 higher positions is so low in, even just within the camera department and it's changing hopefully yeah but yeah. i know you've inspired a bunch of women and you 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 know you helped heather you recommended her and she's still a new operator so for her this is being recommended to him i think was a big break for her yeah yeah so i mean and kudos to paul yeah um but um but yeah i mean we've been going on and i know you need to i think you need to go you have a concert to get to, don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's been really nice, nice having you and chatting and hearing about your beginning. I didn't know any of that stuff. We never get to talk on set. Yeah, so I know. it was yeah, really nice. Yeah. Well, I've met. You know, I I I like to pay it forward because so many people have helped me. You know, and sure. taught me. Other operators have taught me things. Um, DPs that have given me you know a break or you know let me um giving me a lot of work you know it's just uh yeah. i've been really lucky i was thinking before i you know came here um about the amazing amazingly wonderful people that i've worked with you know um it's just been a really blessed uh Career, you know, it's been a wonderful way to make a living with working with so many talented crew people and so many talented directors and yeah actors. That's the thing about this business: when it's fun, it can be really fun and really fulfilling. You feel like you're creating something with everybody. You know, it's not always art, but you are start. You know, from the ground up. I'm sure producers feel the same way. They or writers too, right? Mm we're all part of the team you know and with us it doesn't without us it doesn't get done Mm -hmm. and without our artistry and creativity it doesn't get done Mm -hmm. doesn't get done as well anyway i mean you can put any anybody can kind of hold a camera but without people like you it doesn't look that way it's Mm -hmm. not it's not as good you know um so that's a fun part but when it stinks it can really stink (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a competitive business, and it's uh, demanding, and can be grueling, and a lot of stress sometimes. You mm-hmm. know, uh, is it? You know, before I let you go, is it is it better or worse than it used to be overall? Like, did did you when at the beginning of your career did you enjoy the business more? Or do you enjoy it more now, or is there a change? Um. I think I've had I think I've had some ups and downs. I mean, like any anything else. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I was so excited when I first started. You know, I was just so thrilled uh, right. to, to get hired. To get hired, right. you know, to be around all these amazing people and uh, be traveling. I did a lot of traveling. I've just traveled all over the world, and I've just been so uh, like, wow, this is so cool. Um, and and also when you're young, you put up with a lot more without knowing what you're putting up with. Right, right. But I have to say that you know I've just I've just been really lucky um, because uh, like the last job full time job I had, you know, after all these years was just I really enjoyed it. I was really happy to be going to work every day. Yeah. And um, um, there was and also. I think Annette created an atmosphere where she showed her appreciation for people 
um, um, you know, there was a there was it was a good working atmosphere. So yeah. She went out of her way to do that, and uh, that's nice. That really made a difference. That makes all the difference, you know. Yeah, that's great. And I've been super lucky with with um, some people too. Hopefully, I'll find more. I still have more career left to go. Yeah. So do you. Yeah. So we we need to keep finding people. That's right. <laughs> people and projects, and you know. Yeah, good people, good projects. Yeah, and hopefully we'll work together on one. That soon. would be terrific. It would be. Yeah. It would be. Um, well, thanks again, Bonnie. I really you enjoyed it. You're very welcome. Thank you. It's been and a pleasure. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your Randy Newman tonight. Thank you. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> you know, I was jealous of Bonnie going to Randy Newman. That sounds like a fun show. Anyway, um, thanks to Bonnie for coming in. Uh, that was a really fun chat. I enjoyed it. And thanks for listening. Um, once again, check out the uh, check out the Patreon page if you want. And also, I've been considering doing some kind of merchandising, maybe hats or stickers or something like that. Um, and I don't really know what the interest would be. So if you want to email me and if you have an idea about, oh, do this or do that, or I'm interested in this, let me know. I mean, maybe maybe somebody will have a great idea. Um, I'm kind of thinking hats might be cool because a lot of people wear hats and they're kind of easy to do, I think. I don't know. I have zero experience with this. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. And, uh, and I'll catch you next week.